humans! Welcome to Not You Guillermo, a What We Do in the Shadows podcast brought to you by The Dip. I'm Nicole Conlon. And I'm Patrick Monahan. This week we're going to recap episode four of season three of What We Do in the Shadows with a very special guest. Let's dive in, shall we? week we are joined by the very talented James Dwyer. You may know him from Friends from College, Mozart in the Jungle, or his weekly podcast Stinkers that he hosts with Caroline Cotter and Maggie Widows. Or if you were ever on an improv team with me, you might know James from being our coach for a long time, which is how I know him. But if you don't know him from all those things, you know him as Jeremy the Virgin from season one, episode nine, The Orgy. Welcome, James. Hello. Thank you for having me. I have nothing else to say just yet. Um... <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts, but that's all I have at this moment. Great. I don't even have those. So I'm glad one of us came prepared. Nice. Let's start with your episode, which was in uh, season one. So when did you guys shoot that? So we shot that in November of 2018. And we shot it right before Thanksgiving in Toronto. And that was interesting because I had to fly back at like five in the morning on Thanksgiving morning to get home for Thanksgiving after finishing that orgy scene at about, (laughs) oh God, like four in the morning. Uh, That it was like a very, very long, insane day, basically no sleep. You know, I'd been there for several days for that. Uh, And Toronto is lovely. Loved it. But yeah, that was a pretty, why I just remember that last day was just very insane, but it was really fun to shoot. How many days were you on set? I was only on set for like three or four days. They run a crazy schedule there. When they're shooting, it's insane. Where they're just trying to get as much in as they can in a day, usually multiple locations most days. Uh, At least they were when I was there. But a really fun set. I also, one of my favorite things that happened while I was shooting that was when I got to set, they had me go, you know, check in with wardrobe just to like get fitted. And... When I got there, the I do not remember this person's name. I feel terrible. But also, I feel okay with it, considering what happened. But she said, and again, I played Jeremy the Virgin. And she goes, your look, ugh, it just nails this role. Uh, and I was just like, this is what I... And I remember I just immediately was like, this is what I look like every night. Uh, and she was just sort of like really awkward. She realized like, oh, I didn't mean to say that the way I said that. Uh these are my coolest clothes. I wore my coolest clothes yeah. to set. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the clothes you're showing me, I would keep them. Uh, so that members only jacket. Yeah, that actually looks pretty sick. Yeah, no, it truly just showed up in my normal clothes. And they were like, wow, you really nailed it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. This guy's method. Wow, you look like such a virgin. Um, good. Yeah, That's basically. Always. Yeah, you That's scream old virgin. Nice. <laughs> it is just absolutely radiating off of you like heat if i get too close ooh, uh scorched by your virginity yeah but that was my probably my favorite uh little story from that so one of the best things about getting to do that episode was that jermaine clement was just on set the whole time he wasn't really directing that episode it was uh jason walliner directed that and he was a big fan of uh human giant so uh that was exciting to get to work with him but Jimmy Clement was on set for the whole orgy scene, which was very funny to me because he was not on set for the other stuff. It was just like, got to be there for the orgy scene. Uh, and he was like, it's like, you know, you always like don't necessarily want to meet people <laughs> and have their idea ruined, uh, your idea of them ruined. But he was great. He was so cool. 
just like wanted to shoot the shit and like he knew i did improv and was like trying to like riff with me on stuff to do and stuff to say so really fun that's awesome i was gonna ask you how because as we mentioned earlier you are a very talented improviser how much did you get to do improv on set and how much was scripted and you know what percentage of each made it into the cut I would say there was pretty much no improv. It would be things where like you would shoot the shit kind of before we start shooting. Like it would be like you run it with Jason Moliner or Jermaine if he's there and we're like sort of going back and forth on it. And then it'll be like, oh yeah, do that. Like it wouldn't be, there was not really a lot of room to just improvise with the way they were shooting in the moment because nothing run. Every scene is like tight. They don't have the energy, I feel like, in the show for like a scene where it's just sort of like most improv, it feels like a little dangler at the end. And it's like we let the scene go a little longer than normal, you know, but there wasn't any space for that. So I didn't get to improvise much. So, James, were you familiar with the what we do in the shadows movie from, you know, before the audition process? You know, like how much did you know about the sort of universe or the show, you know, the role, you know, when you auditioned, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So when I auditioned for this. You know, the show didn't exist yet. Uh, I was still, the first season was shooting. So I knew about it because of the movie and I was familiar with the movie. So I remember at the time thinking like, this could be a really good show. But also you just, you don't know. You're like, well, it's based on a movie. So what's that going to mean? But I was very excited about auditioning for it. Because I remember even then, after season one, I feel like any New York-based actor was trying very hard to get an audition for What We Do in the Shadows and everyone wants to write for it. You know, like, it's just such an exciting show from a comedic perspective. But um, for me, I was familiar with the movie, so I was pretty excited and just excited knowing, like, you know, it's adjacent at least to Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, and I'm a huge fan of their work. So even then, not knowing what the show was going to be, I was very excited to audition for it. When you got the audition, was it like, because it was before the show came out, so was it like untitled Jermaine Clement project, or was it, what we do in the shadows based on the movie, what we do in the shadows. That's a good question. I don't think it was untitled because I think it had been announced already, but I actually, I don't fully remember. I just remember it did not change that much from the script that I got for my audition and know that much. Yeah. You can envision like a back when, like in like the nineties before, like the right people had with the right sensibilities take over and try to Americanize a show like a very bad trying to like graft all the different characters exactly onto an American, you know, counterpart and, and, and trying to make it the same thing, but an American show type thing, like a you know pilot that doesn't go anywhere type thing. And you also like at that time, I was like, I wasn't sure what their involvement would be. Taika and Jermaine, like a lot of times people are just, you know, they're like, yeah, sure. We're executive producers and you don't know. Like, is this going to really feel like their vibe? Like, you know, there's been plenty of shows that have kind of done exactly that, trying to model itself in terms of the comedic style after some writer or showrunner's previous successes. And it doesn't always quite, it feels like an imitation sometimes. Uh, but this is its own thing. It's great. Like a laugh track sitcom. <laughs> I, I love this idea of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, there's definitely a multicam version of this show somewhere oh that it runs, yes. is, <laughs> it gets 20 episodes I and would, only eight and I want it. I want to, please, I want to be on that one uh, too. Are you kidding me? That, could you imagine of all of the types of jokes, especially that are, I mean, they wouldn't have as many of the dirty jokes maybe, but they'd just be more like innuendo based than just saying like, genitals all the time and sucking and fucking and all. <laughs> yeah. 
I would love to see one episode that they do as a three camera sitcom. So what was your audition process like for the show? Did they send you sides and then call you in in person? Yeah, they sent me sides. And in fact, I don't think we auditioned for the exact same role, but Connor Ratliff was in the uh, waiting room, I remember. I think he was auditioning to be like a security guard in an episode. And I just remember we were being idiots the whole time in the waiting room and not focusing on the audition at all. And we were just like sent, like, I'm not, I'm not like close friends with Connor uh, either, but we started just Twitter messaging each other, photos of photos of photos of us, like within photo within the photo, like of us in that room. Just, I don't know, like. <sighs> While you were in the room together, you were taking pictures of each other and then DMing them. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we're just trolling each other. I don't even know why. And then like all of a sudden, like he goes in before me, like, I need to uh, focus up a little bit. <laughs> like uh it just try to like you know lock in a bit more but the audition was just i just just had one audition for it there was no callback and for like one episode stuff i think that's more common yeah one take dwyer that's why we call you that that's why i've been personally calling you that nobody else calls you that oh i was cool yeah i have been told that someone is trying to get that to catch on so that's interesting to finally find out um, okay. it's me. The buzz is building. Yes. I'm doing voluntary PR for you now. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Were there any like funny moments or stuff on set that got cut that we didn't see? From what I saw? No. Um, there was some scene where it's like Matt Barry standing on top of a ladder and I wasn't even in that scene. I was in the other room during that, but we kind of just were sitting around listening and it just, no matter what, and it was him in a megaphone speaking for that scene and he would improvise a little bit on each of those each take was a little bit different and every single time people are just cracking up so hard he couldn't say anything wrong i mean i in general do believe matt barry comedically can do no wrong and it was just so funny to be on set and see that confirmed (laughs) for me where you're just like he has the most perfect comedic cadence of anyone uh no i mean there's lots of people who are just as funny but i'm a huge matt berry fan so that was just exciting for me to see that just literally the whole crew cracking up do you think like as an actor and as a comedian that was like informative or like a learning experience for you yeah i mean it was interesting because i think it was interesting talking with a couple of people on set because I really respect the work of like kind of a lot of the people in that show. It was just exciting to see, you know, them in their element in terms of like, it just watching people and everyone was very tired the whole time and still just absolutely delivering and crushing. So like from that perspective, it was really cool to see people just being like, yeah, let's do it. And like Mark, he was like basically naked that whole day. Like he was wearing just like assless bondage paraphernalia. I don't even know. But he was in, he was miserable <laughs> the whole time because he was just like, we need to finish this. But he still just was so funny. Like he's still like he was so uncomfortable and just absolutely crushing it still the whole time. It was just cool to see everybody crush. When you were saying he was he kept doing improv a little bit. I was like, wow, he really was prolonging the essential nude scene he was doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He, he, because there were also, I think a lot of, whenever they cut to him and it's him like draining energy from someone, I swear he's given, he must be given a little bit of free reign on that because those feel a little improvised and like, I saw one or two of those scenes and it's just like, okay, I think he's just allowed to like 
he's given maybe a few things and he keeps going. I rewatched the episode today when we were getting ready and uh, he goes on and on about, I guess, like a viral video about a raccoon <laughs> doing a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, how many more takes are there of something like this or talking about this exact video? Like, I don't even know what he's know. referring to. It's like, I don't believe the raccoon actually solved the Rubik's Cube because there are cuts in the video. And again, he's standing there in a what is basically like the a leather version of like the Borat bathing suit, like the like the neon green, <laughs> yes. you know, thing. And uh, and a little uh, call it a bondage hat. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the uh, but yes, he's uh, he's got the whole the fact that you can deliver anything with a straight face and not be just kind of disappearing into yourself. I, I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, the worksmanship. It's nuts there. I mean, they're all so funny. Did you meet the Bada Book? Are you, do you recall from the from the episode? The <laughs> Yes, it was in. There was like a little, like a little weird hut like, <laughs> on set, um, and or it was like a there's like there was like a tent, a holding area tent that I was in at one point talking to people, and at the bottom book, the person who played the bottom book was in there. Yes. Wow. There we go. Brushes with greatness. There you go. Just really, that's. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did briefly meet the bottom book, uh, and then a, a few of the people there were really nice. There was a lot of like local great Canadian actors that do a lot of the like day player roles for that. Uh, we were chatting about improv, things like that, things I cared about at the time. What kind of stuff are you working on now? Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I'm mostly uh, working on a podcast with my friends and fellow comedians, Carolyn Cotter and Maggie Widows, called Stinkers. I, this is turning into plug, sorry. Plug away. I think it's probably also what they told your virgin character. Oh, yeah. Well, also, that originally I would thought I was going to have to be fully nude for that scene, and I was so happy I didn't have to be. <laughs> they were, like, originally like, all right, well, we're going to have you wear these nude shorts. Um, I'm like, sorry, so my penis doesn't have to be shown <laughs> on TV. That's nice. Um, but it was like, or no, a dancer's belt is what they were having me wear, like a nude-colored dancer's belt. So I was not excited about that. But I remember Jason Waller was like, it wouldn't make any sense for you to be, you would just absolutely whip it out and rail this guy. Uh, I was like, yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally agree. Hell yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, that was the last thing I shot before then getting on the plane to go see my grandmother. (laughs) So funny. So So funny. She must have been like, so how's how's the acting going? (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, it's actually really good. And I remember... My family, like, I have a huge extended uh, Irish Catholic, you know, Irish American Catholic family, and they all were, like, very excited to see that episode. And I just remember having to be like, you don't have to see it. Like, it's so (laughs) you're not going to like it. (laughs) And all of the comments were just like, oh, uh, hey, it was was interesting. Uh, A little, uh, okay, cool. Like, everyone was too uncomfortable to talk (laughs) about it directly to me in any way. Um. So I loved that. I loved having that uh, <laughs> conversation, uh, you know, when that finally aired in like May 2019. Hilarious. I, I love that you did it the night before Thanksgiving. You had like the highest possible expression of like the crazy night when you're back in town for the like night before. Like, <laughs> like instead of going to the yeah, bar with everybody from high school. get drunk yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I went to an orgy with Jermaine Clement and Jason Waller. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> wild. Pretty wild. Yeah, Mark was there. He was 
he was in the uh, the GIMP setup. It was pretty wild. Uh, yeah, you got to check it out. Go to Toronto. It's, yeah. it's sick. Matt Barry was yelling about pornos. I think he was crying a little bit. It was kind of strange, but uh, it was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, he kind of ruined the vibe. If I'm not, if I'm being honest, uh, we were all just trying to have an orgy. I brought the mochi, so it was good. <laughs> and also, just then having to go from that into an airport on Thanksgiving morning is—I <laughs> don't recommend that for anyone. When we come back, we'll talk about episode four, The Casino. Welcome back. James is sticking around with us, and we're going to talk about this week's episode, episode four. I think it's the strongest episode of the season so far. It's called The Casino, in which the vampire's neighbors, Sean and Charmaine, are doing a vow renewal in Atlantic City, and they invite the vampires to go along with them. And the vampires are pumped. They're really excited to go. And it's key that they bring their ancestral soil with them so they can sleep and maintain all their powers and stuff. And Patrick, you and I have actually talked about that on this podcast before, I think in our first episode. Yeah, this was big for me. I was very pleased to see this detail carried over. Very, very big. Yeah, so they have to have their ancestral soil with them. So they go to Atlantic City and sprinkle each of their respective homeland soils below their bed. But they discover pretty quickly that the maids have vacuumed up all the soil and so they can't sleep and it saps all their powers. And it's revealed that the maids vacuumed up the soil because Colin Robinson, who was supposed to be keeping watch over the maids while all this was happening, was too busy watching the like default hotel channel that is just like facts about the hotel and a little jingle. And so he wasn't paying attention. Jingle's kind of a banger in his defense. My ancestral soil, it is gone! Our ancestral soil is also gone! You know how it is when you have the binge watch blinders on. I got caught up in a show that I'm obsessed with and they only air it here at the hotel. Roll the dice, spin that wheel. Anyway, housekeeping came in and I, I didn't notice what she was doing. The sushi's raw, catch a show and hit the spa. And so they send Guillermo, who is there in his capacity as bodyguard, but really still familiar on a sort of a round Europe trip <laughs> he's not thrilled about going, but he also, he's like, on the one hand, you know, this is uh, really not a bodyguard's job. This is sort of more familiar stuff. But on the other hand, I've never been to Europe. And so he flies to London, to Greece, and to just outside of the Iranian border and collects a bag full of soil from each of those places and then flies back to Atlantic City so he can put it under the bed. Meanwhile, their powers are draining. And to fund Guillermo's expedition, Laszlo has asked Sean just for unlimited use of his credit card, which Sean readily agrees to, even without hypnosis, because Laszlo has lost his hypnotic powers. And then they discover that Sean is deep in gambling debt, and Laszlo feels terrible. And so by the, when Guillermo comes back, they hatch this, I want to say Ocean's Eleven style plan, but their heist is like, it's so easy that like a child could have come up with it, but it's treated as this like big heist where they hypnotize two boxers to throw a fight so that they can win a bunch of money. And this is all Guillermo's idea. So they replace all the money and they give it back to Sean and sort of save the day. And then also just one other sort of C plot is Nandor gets really into this Big Bang Theory slot machine. And at one point he's like, Do you know what I have been wondering, Colin Robinson? What's that? Why do they call it the Big Bang Theory? It's about the creation of the universe. 
The what? Colin Robinson, like, explains the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe to Nandor, and it really blows his mind and sends him into sort of this existential spiral, which is very fun. Colin Robinson refers to it as the heliocentric nuts and bolts of the universe. And in a single instant, my world was turned upside down. Hence the Sheminovich-Cohen conjecture. I, I gave him the broad strokes, the heliocentric nuts and bolts, if you will. And we also get our best quote, in my opinion, of the episode from Nandor when he goes, Bazinga! Bazinga is the war cry of Sheldon, their tall leader. <laughs> this is really funny. Um, and I think that's everything. Did I miss anything else in the recap, you guys? I think that's the big beats. Uh, we also got... Uh, yeah, that's the heliocentric nuts and bolts. There we go. Uh, N- Nadia does get to hang out with uh, with the Rat Pack. Um, she yes. She oh, seems oh, to yeah. think that, I love that no one from the Rat Pack has aged or changed in, I don't know what it would be, 70 years. And uh, she does not... She recognizes them or, or is convinced by the, let's just say, not super on the nose impersonators that are doing the Rat Pack. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> mostly due to, yeah, just the catchphrase use seems to be the main. But yeah, she used to pal around with the Rat Pack in the old days, and uh, they eventually pretend to recognize her, sort of, so she leaves them alone, I guess. That seems to be the main thing. Something I love about that Rat Pack is that it has the energy of, like, it feels like they were hired by, like, a promoter or a company. It's like, well, I don't know, we get three guys and make them a Rat Pack. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like it's their passion, but, like, they yeah. embrace, like, hey, it's working out for now. They're just sort of, this is what they do every single night. Yeah, they're not good impersonators. One of them is Chinese, and at one point, Laszlo comes in and he goes, I say, Mr. Sinatra, forgive me, my mind's a little foggy, but last time I looked, you weren't Chinese. Ring-a-ding-ding. I stand corrected. Aside from the main plot, we get some fun asides of them just enjoying Atlantic City, such as it is, and also the others. Uh, There's a whole crew that goes with them. Not just the vampires and Guillermo, but also uh, some of the other neighbors. And uh, I guess it was everybody who played Pee Wee with Sean. That seems to be the the main thing they know each yeah. other from. <laughs> including a guy who gets like fall down drunk within the first 15 seconds of every gathering they seem to have. Uh, which is a staple of places like Atlantic City. And he also, he puts glass in some food that they ordered. And so they get like free passes to something. Very they got a funny. whole bunch of chips. Yeah. They, he put glass in the piccata, yeah. the classic trick that we oh, all yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah, this was such a dark turn for that character over. Like really it was like his uh, uncut gems moment <laughs> uh, in this episode. Gets the money and immediately is just like, put it all on 12. Like, truly, this character did not watch Uncut Yeah, no. no, he did it at all. And he says he's <laughs> never going to gamble again and immediately within seconds. They don't even get out of earshot. That is how, no. uh, yeah. I mean, he, he watched, he watched yeah, Uncut Gems, but it froze. He's like, I wouldn't get yeah, shot. It, it, it <laughs> froze right, like, right when everybody's at their happiest. His internet cut out. And he's like, that's probably it, right? What's it been, like an hour and 40 minutes? That's probably the whole thing. Yeah, it froze at the moment where he finally has enough money to be okay, but then doubles down, like right before he doubles down. <laughs> and everything worked out fine. Uncut Gems, check well, it good out. Good for him. Uh, yeah, I love the happy ending. Um, yeah, I really, like Nicole said, for me, this is one of the better, if not the best episodes of the season so far. I mean, there's only four, so I don't know why I'm qualifying it so heavily. That's really not helpful. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this is the best episode of the season, yes. Anytime you put characters like, you know, that are we usually see in very limited 
settings in a completely different setting. It leads to a lot of fun stuff. And uh, that is what we got to see. As somebody who's been on bachelor parties and on Vegas trips, you know, and I've been to Atlantic City a couple of times, but, you know, I just, I'm just sort of transporting Vegas. You know, they're sort of, you can kind of interchange them. The guy like slamming his head into the table, like at the dinner <laughs> is just such a perfect. Uh, although in my experience, there hasn't been a wife to scream at him, um, but it's still the same deal. Uh, the wife screams later at home, I think. Um, but a hundred percent great stuff. Yeah. It has like a little bit of bachelor party energy almost to it where it's just like, yeah, somebody's got their head in the steak dinner that you pay too much <laughs> money for falling asleep into the cream spinach. That's, that's where you want to be. Yeah. That's it. The pearl onions just all up in your eyes and ears. <laughs> I also have to say from that first scene when they're off the big table, the reference to oceans 11 as a prequel because the, yes. his favorite oh movie God. is Ocean's 12. <laughs> so funny. I'm going to be thinking about that for weeks. Yeah. It's so funny that it's like he's had this very like powerful moment thinking about the Oceans franchise. Yeah. Just a, a completely insane way to orient your understanding of this trilogy <laughs> of movies. Like that's the main one. And then the, 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 the sequel <laughs> and a prequel. That's the main one. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, we all know that. 12 was the main one. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven is Ocean's Twelve Origins. That's actually what the subtitle is. Yeah, it's in black and white. It was a choice. <laughs> I have like a whole list of like little things that I liked that I'll just run through because I don't know that they merit a whole discussion. But first, one the first fun thing was uh, the theme song was a little bit different. Matt Berry starts out playing it on the piano out of the cold open. And then like, it's not the same visuals that we always see with the old pictures of the vampires. It's like shots of Atlantic city and like driving past a bachelorette party who like, like all of that stuff was so fun. I thought it was a really normally, I don't like it when shows do like a different theme song every week, but this was like a very fun update for like, you know, on location special episode, I think. Yeah. It felt immediately like a very special episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a very special episode. This is where we learn about gambling. <laughs> it's yeah. where Laszlo's friend has a gambling <laughs> problem. It reminded me of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia a little bit, that intro. It just felt like yeah, so... Yeah, the like, way it just was shot is very much Garbage like the people credits. being on yeah. the streets, being wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty it. sure one of the bachelorette yeah. party people was like throwing up on the street or something. You just kind of go... Yeah, it's like, one it, of it, them was throwing up into a garbage can and for so, sure. Yeah, and somebody I else bet is they crying. went to Atlantic City... Like, they didn't cast those people. They found a drunk group of women on the street and were like, hey, sign these forms. Be at our TV show. Just look for the best audience members at a comedy show. That's how they found them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ones who wanted to participate the most. That's, yes. those. They're always the best ones. So that was really fun. Another thing that I noticed is Colin Robbins' reflection in the mirror is, like, kind of fucked up. He's kind of undead when he looks in the mirror. And I wasn't sure if it was just, like, weird bathroom lighting that was making him look that way. So I looked up older episodes, and he does. Every time Colin Robinson is in a mirror, you can see him, but he's, like, blue and veiny and weird. The legend grows. It's really... uh, Yeah. Yeah, Nicole texted me about this. I I did not pick up on this. Like, the opening credits are kind of still, like, feeding through. It's, like, right after they get there. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... Yeah, because you can see him. Because what's the deal with vampires is you can't see them in a mirror because they have no soul? Or is it just because the mir- mirrors are traditionally silver? Um, I don't know which one it is. I'm, being, I'm being called out for my lack of knowledge here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Devastating. Yeah, this is, makes me sick that you don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look it up. We'll find it out later. But we also discover it while Colin Robinson has his little Polaroid camera and he's taking pictures of, like, the bathroom sink and stuff. 
which I totally forgot about. But then in the end credits, you see all the pictures he's been taking and it's just of nothing. There's a picture of like the door. There's a picture of an empty chair. And at first I was like, maybe he's taking pictures of the other vampires and they're just not showing up because they're vampires. But there's a couple pictures where like Nadja and Laszlo are in it. So they do show up. He's just taking pictures of like faucet fixtures and stuff. Yeah. In the normal opening credits, they're in a bunch of old photos from like the 70s on the subway platform and stuff. So clearly... Yeah, that's just him. Uh, he's trying to do some artistic stuff for the gram, I guess. The world's like most boring. Maybe he's trying to do like another like liminal spaces themed account that doesn't understand what Maybe. liminal spaces are to piss off people. <laughs> yeah, he's throwing a hashtag Visco cam on all his photos on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he's a Visco um, girl, Colin Robinson. Have... Visco girl, Colin Robinson. <laughs> And then uh, I have two Colin Robinson moments I really liked, which is when they get to the hotel, they have adjoining. So it's Colin and Nandor are staying and Guillermo's sleeping at the foot of Nandor's bed. And they have like an adjoining room with Nadja and Laszlo. And right after they get there, Colin goes, hey, you guys hitting the skins in there? And then then Nadja calls back through the door like, yes, we are Colin Robinson. And then the other Colin Robinson moment that I really liked was when Guillermo gets up to leave from the dinner table and they're talking about how like Nander's like, he needs to feel like he's like a bigger part of the team. And Colin Robinson says, it's true at every workplace I've ever been at, they've called everybody a big family and it does make them work harder and neglect their own families, put up with all kinds of degrading shit, (laughs) which was very like, oh no, every job I've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... Colin Robinson definitely would be a guy who's putting one of those um, placed op-eds about how people need to get back to the office for the uh, increased yes. collaboration, <laughs> for sure. We have to understand I'm really worried about the lack of community at our job. Uh, <laughs> I'm really worried. Yeah, we're getting the same amount of work done, but at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> like, the main cost is, you know, I have stock that says if we stop renting all these office spaces, <laughs> it'll be a real problem. Okay, yeah. we're, get, we're getting the same work done, but don't you Sorry. miss awkwardly standing around a cake once every couple months for someone's birthday? <laughs> you guys don't like that? You don't like how the cake sits there about three quarters eaten for a long time afterwards? <laughs> and that for some reason we think the place to put it is on the front desk of the receptionist, or just above her desk, <laughs> so that everyone can see it. You don't like that? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Well, someday soon. I had a few things I wanted to hit on, too. My favorite first thing was um, the tip that Nandor gives the bellhop is the feather of a female (laughs) crow, which he believes is the customary tip for an innkeeper. As is customary for travelers, yes. The attempt to kind of bring Guillermo into the fold and make him kind of feel like part of the team is this just horrific, contentless conversation (laughs) about, you know, so Guillermo, do you have any interests? And then he kind of mutters a little bit. Yes. And then Nadia just says, like, he's got interests and he knows what's interesting. And then they, and it's just this (laughs) kind of insane talking around something that is not. And then, and then that's it. They figure job well done. I love that. Um, Makes you feel like part of the team for sure. Okay. Well, also, Laszlo, when he was weakened from his lack of powers, did not turn into a bat. He turned into a sparrow. (laughs) And then he calls the sparrow the lamest bird. Yeah. Um, which if you've done any birding, um, you know, you try not to rag on anything, but it's like, oh, let's see what the, oh, it's just another sparrow. There's a million sparrows and they're everywhere and they all look kind of the same. And, uh, okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone's like, whoa, look, a sparrow, you're like, is this your first time birding? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got it already. I already checked it off. Okay. Uh, don't mention it again. All right. (laughs) 
the, I don't the want my attention drawn to the sparrow. Very catty. Yeah, well, which is dangerous for yeah. obvious reasons. And I'm not trying to... Yeah, yeah, sure, for the, exactly. for the birds, it's dangerous <laughs> when you're catty. My last thing, and this is something I have kind of a big beef about. Um, I was kind of in disbelief when this was going on. But so they brought the soil, which is good. Um, and they And they put it under the bed. Did they bring all of the soil? Like they brought all the soil they had. They did. They, they while they were packing it up, Nandor specifically said, "It didn't look like that though." When they said, were bring it. all of it. Yeah, he did say uh, bring all of it, and that, that to me is just you know, which is poor planning, I think. It's just because you know you leave some at the house, and then like, all you have to do is get back to Staten Island. You don't have to go to you know Auto Paxos, and uh, yeah, and yeah, it's it's really just you know a big whiff by those guys on that one. Of course, importantly for this podcast, this episode is the first time we got a Not You Guillermo. Some call our destination a mecca of the depraved. America's premier nocturnal playground of hedonistic debauchery. Sin City, US of A, baby! Viva Atlantic City! Viva Atlantic City, baby! Not You Guillermo. Atlantic it's huge it's huge for us and for guillermo i did the dicaprio uh pointing at the screen thing in real life (laughs) (laughs) you know Um, you know the meme i did that we know the meme we all know the meme yeah it's when they were all excited to go to atlantic city and guillermo's like celebrating with them and nandor's immediately like not you guillermo and i was like oh our podcast wonderful Really generous of them to plug the pod. Yeah. That's what I assumed they were doing. <laughs> generous and prescient, unless they did reshoots once they heard this was out. You know, it's like, okay, let's, we'll reshoot yeah. that opening. And we'll... <laughs> we should also probably talk a little bit about Nandor's theory of the universe as Colin Robinson is explaining it to him. Yeah, he basically thinks that we live in uh, in Discworld, which is a, a, a fantasy book series by Terry Pratchett. He thinks the Earth is a planet sitting on the backs of four elephants, which in fact stand on the back of a giant turtle. Has nothing to do with cats like you thought. But what about the four elephants? For 750 years, I believed I knew the truth, that the Earth rested upon the shoulders of four mighty elephants. Forget about the four elephants. Who stood on the shell of a large and noble turtle. Look at the turtle. Uh Uh-huh. And then four more elephants. Around which the sun and the moon and all the stars revolve. But now, thanks to modern science, Nandor understands that we're all just temporary aggregations of dust and fluid camping out on a big rock that's just one of an infinite number of equally unspecial big rocks that make up part of this vast and uncaring universe. This is science. But this is a turtle. The world which I have known for seven and a half centuries is a lie. This is actually like based on an old myth and, and you see another stuff because I was going to say this reminds me of Stephen King, Dark Tower. It uh, there's references to the turtle as like this, like sort of benevolent force that's uh, kind of way in the background of everything. And uh, so that was that was kind of what perked up for me because I'm not as familiar with Discworld. So that wasn't the first thing that jumped out. I just thought the elephants were something funny they made up. So speaking of Colin Robinson and kind of his role relative to everyone else, you know, Everyone, as a result of the, you know, fiasco with the soil is sort of having a rougher time, but he seems like he's able to 
function a little bit better than they are. He gets a little juice off of, I believe, Nadia collapsing. Yeah, this is the first episode that we see him feeding this season. When the, the guy at the beginning, the drunk guy, uh, falls into the table, he's he's clearly getting something off of that. He's mm-hmm. just like explaining the tale of the tape for the boxing match. While, instead mm-hmm. of like making a decision about his hand in poker, it's like, as is my right. Uh, as <laughs> Blackjack. Uh, Oh, it's blackjack. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm only correcting you because literally two days ago, somebody corrected me and I was like, I didn't know that blackjack isn't poker. So, (laughs) oh, I know they're different. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. I guess that's for, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a bigger deal that you didn't know the (laughs) blackjack. I didn't know. But there's no time. We're flipping it back around. I don't have a gambling problem. So it's not, you know, it's never come up for me. (laughs) That's yeah. There you go. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. So that, that's, you know, those are sort of our favorite parts the ac stuff just really you know you can tell this was kind of written by and you know the input from people was you know these are people that are familiar with sort of the ac you know gambling trip uh degenerate experience this episode was written by um a writer named sarah who actually i took an improv class with i think anthony who was sean was our teacher of that improv class weird small world i think he tweeted that actually oh did he okay yeah he taught because i think that's where she and i met in his class and she, I think, is from, like, that area. Don't quote me on that. Uh, and so I think probably she has experience in the Atlantic City realm. This is really UCB supremacy here. This is this is wild. Just UCB yeah, hey, taking over. Look, when you pay thousands of dollars for improv <laughs> classes, at least two or three of us got to succeed at some yeah. point. Right. <laughs> I would say I, I took I took Sketch 101, and I don't think anyone that was in my class has written any TV episodes. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's only been a few <laughs> years, so we'll see. Still yeah. got time. Give them time. There's always, in those classes, there's always people who have clearly already been writing comedy for a long time, but have to go through the motions of going through the classes. And then there's people who are like, how did you even hear about this have you seen have you ever seen a oh, yeah. TV show? are you familiar like the with guy the guy who keeps bringing his... familiar with a sketch yeah have you ever seen a sketch <laughs> somebody bringing in like drafts of a novel and stuff like what are we doing that's a thing yeah yeah people bring in like drafts of their film and it's like this film like is like your one-man show like what yeah. are you talking about why well, it's not even a film <laughs> yeah. and you keep calling it's not it a sketch. film it's even not though you film. know you have to bring in a sketch <laughs> like that's it's always exciting it's thing. very weird yeah, and so everyone feels unsafe immediately. You're like, this guy. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, comedy's great. That's right. And, 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 and we love it, and we love this episode. I will say, in talking about it, it's like, this was a great episode as I was watching it, but as we're talking about it, it's wild how much they jammed into half an hour of television. Yeah. yeah. There's so, it's so dense. There's so much in it. I, you didn't even mention it. I love when the neighbor character still gives him the credit card, like, he, yeah. even though he's not being hypnotized. He's my best friend. No, I'm your best friend. My hypnosis powers are buggered, so I have to look elsewhere to secure Gizmo's travel money. Could this ruin the greatest friendship of my life? Johnny! Hey, 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 Les. What are you doing? Get the deed back! I need to borrow your credit card and not tell you why. You can't tell me why? You need to borrow my credit card? No explanation necessary. Really? You're my best friend. Oh, Marone, are you kidding me? Fucking Knicks. They'll break your heart every time, but I can't quit them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, listen, you're going to have to pay me back, like, right away, ASAP, okay? Because the Patrick Ewing commemorative Discover card, that's for emergencies only. Get it back soon. Listen, I trust you. You're my main man. I die for you. <laughs> Thanks again. This is just, like, so on brand for that type of yeah. guy. 
<laughs> he just. Yeah. I need you to give me your credit card, no questions asked. You want me to give you my credit card? Okay, we're best friends. Do anything for you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Sean, you know, uh, it was nice that they, you know, care enough to want to make him whole. So they, they had Nadia try to charm slash threaten the, uh, the the sort of bootleg rat pack and uh, got about 300 bucks off of them. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, not enough to get the job done. But uh, yeah, there was a great moment of uh, Laszlo standing in the hotel hallway and he just kind of keens, Shawnee! <laughs> yeah, so J- James, you are from the Jersey area as, as we, or you're in the Jersey area. Uh, what's your AC experience? Do you, do you have, uh, you know... Yeah, let's let's get the the rundown here. <laughs> I haven't been to Atlantic City probably in a decade now, but uh, I've been a few times, and I one time did go to a bachelor party in Atlantic City uh, in my early to mid twenties. This is now a while ago, and it's gonna. This is a very specific moment in New Jersey transit history. But <laughs> I took the Aces train, yes. from New York to Atlantic yes. City for the few years that it existed. And it literally is an express train from New York City to Atlantic City. It might make one or two stops, but it's like on a train line that doesn't get used, really. So we took that down and then all stayed at the Tropicana, which was terrible. And it was like the thing where it's like, we're all poor. So we were piling into rooms, even though you're not allowed to do that at casinos. So you have to do the thing where it's like, all right, I'm going to go in and then I'll, so we're going to get two cards. All right. But like, you got to trade it, you got to hand it off. Like I didn't, it didn't even make sense to hand off because there's, they have like guards at the uh, elevators on the weekends there. It's so ridiculous, but it was fun. I played a lot of craps. I don't like, I'll, if I gamble, it's like, I've only gambled a few times and it's like, all right, you have $200 to gamble or whatever. Uh, and then once I spend through it, I'm done. But I'll just play craps because you can play that a long time if you know not to put it all on the stupidest possible bets you can make in craps. See, I went the last time I went to Las Vegas was for my 30th birthday, and I was so sick the whole time. I like this was pre-COVID, but I had like the worst like bronchitis or something ever. So I went out for like 20 minutes and then I just stayed in the hotel room while my friends went out. But I went and my friend Billy Domino taught me in quotation marks how to play craps. And he was like, I have no idea what happened. He was like, okay, just put just put it here, here, and here, and then roll the dice. And then I like rolled the dice wrong the first time, so they had to give them back to me. I don't understand what I did wrong. I had to roll them again. <laughs> you were so unpopular at that table. And they, and they were like, and they were like, and you lost everything. And I was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> did you bet all of it on the I don't know. Wild? I did what Billy told me to do. And then they were like, Well, you're out. And it's like, okay. That's how it happens in movies. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't even that's so wild. It's like that's like a Simpsons five second scene. Is <laughs> it like, was, and you lost everything. It like I can't so even fast. believe I did everything wrong. Snake and, eyes. And Billy was like, "Well, no, but Snake we can keep, we can keep playing craps." And I was like, "I don't understand how to." You have not explained one thing to me. I, I, You're just trying that. to lose my money. Craps can be very fun. You do have to just know the general like betting structure and all that. When a table's hot. It's the most fun place to be at the casino. That's what TV has told me in movies. But I'm convinced this is that no one knows how to play craps. It's just something. It's like Calvin Ball. It's just a thing that uh, there's no. Everything I know about craps is from my high school production of Guys and Dolls. There we go. I was going to say mine's from like Vegas Vacation or something. Yeah. (laughs) You get really rich and then you have uh, Wallace Shawn shows up as your dealer. And uh, that's Blackjack. And and you lose a lot. (laughs) 
Yeah, you get to the casino, Tropicana. Where's Wallace Shawn? <laughs> He's going to tell me to buy a bullet and rent a gun. That's that's what's going to happen next. Um, I uh, I just want to say I know it's not spelled the same way, but when you say you go to a casino with somebody named Billy Domino, you know some stuff is going to go down. Okay, that's somebody you <laughs> either want to be on yeah. the same side as, or you want to avoid because yeah. uh, you know that's a, that's that's a Rat Pack like regular, like a little hanger yeah. on of yeah. the Rat that's, Pack. That's a dude. That's a dude you definitely want. You don't want to play. The no, pool we're going down there either. with, with uh, Tommy Shark and Billy Domino. Yeah, I'm staying just, in Billy's apartment right now. This is especially <laughs> insulting. It's just like it's like hanging out with somebody whose nickname is uh, a City Fats. That's like not somebody you want. Every city has a fats and they are uh, someone you don't want to bet against. If every city has a fats, oh my God, some of those fats are just like, yeah, no one else wanted it. Uh, In Sonoma, no one wanted it. I said, sure, I'll be the fats. So I'm Sonoma fats. I'm vegan too. I eat real healthy. Yeah, this guy's the best guy, the best in town. And he just like scratches into the, like, it's like, yeah, game over. You lose. It's like, oh, okay. I'm not. Yeah. Nobody plays here. Yeah. (laughs) We just got this. We just got this bar just open. Our big thing is that we have free popcorn. That's really it. So. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm Sonoma Fats. Sonoma Fats. Sonoma. Sonoma fat sounds like a line of essential oils for, you know, women 50 and yes. older. A hundred percent. It's something fats. you're supposed to take like while you're pregnant. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You're going to need your Sonoma fats uh, because uh, when you're pregnant, your hormones, you know, it's things change. Your Sonoma fats actually drop. What it is, is it stops inflammation. And most of your problems come from inflammation. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing. I'm picturing. And if you a pool sign hall. up now and you bring in ten other sellers, <laughs> then just, your inflammation goes way down. Just a, a, a very angry bartender saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" It's like, get that Pinot Noir off my table. What are you doing? <laughs> just like you know, Sonoma fats. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, Eddie, with those natural orange wines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you spilled the natural orange. So, uh, so uh, okay, that's I think the casino. now we have veered. <laughs> we have veered sufficiently away from what we do in the shadows. Um, James, thank you so much for joining us today. I had such a fun time. Thanks for having me. Where can our many millions of listeners find you? Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Stinkers. It's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Can you give us a little logline for Stinkers? On Stinkers, we talk about ours and our our guests' worst ideas they've ever had, both real and imagined. Oh, geez. How much time you got? I mean, hey. We'll Sonoma Fats next episode. Yeah, Sonoma I mean, Fats is on Sonoma the Fats is, um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing a crossover episode. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Next week, we're going to be chatting about episode five, The Chamber of Judgment, in which justice is served both vampirically and also in small claims court. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. And visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's the D-I-P-P.com. And you can follow The Dip on Instagram at The Dip. Bat! See, I thought if we both did it, it might work. Did you be a bat? <laughs> I'm not a bat. Yeah. No dice. Casino. 